Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at SFBC. This week, Pastor Tim shares the next message in our We Serve Sermon Series. Enjoy! All right, hey everyone, I'm Tim. I'm the Family Life Pastor here at Sardis Fellowship, and we're going through a sermon series called We Serve. And we went with the logo for the video game system called the Nintendo Wii because, as Rod shared last week, it's a symbol of doing things together. And the whole idea was that we serve as a community together. We serve in the life of the church together. And when we serve together, there's, there's an increased joy, there's an increased fellowship, and there's an increased effectiveness too. You know, there are things that we can do together as a community that we actually can't do on our own. And I believe God is in that and he loves when we serve him together. And Rod, um, in person here, got us to fill out a form um, that just goes through our gifting and our passion and our abilities. And you can actually also fill that form out online. And it's just an easy way for us to know um, how you could serve in the life of our church in a way that uses your gifting. And there are lots of ways to serve here. And I think of VBS as one that you can serve in. Uh, People have asked me, is there still a need for volunteers? Yes, yes, there is. So sign up. And you can serve in VBS, and it's a perfect example of what Rod was talking about, that when we do something together, when we serve together, there's greater joy, there's greater fellowship, and there's even greater impact in our community in a way that we couldn't do on our own. And so, yeah, sign up for VBS. But what I actually want to share about this morning is the flip side of the same coin of serving. You know, we talked about serving in the church, but what about like the 99% of our, the rest of our life where we're not actually in the walls of this church and we're not actually involved in some sort of ministry in this church. You know, what about the millions of other things that we do? Can we serve God wherever we are and whoever we are? You know, I think sometimes we think of the church as the kingdom of God. What the church does, the kingdom of God is doing. And I don't know if that's quite it. I think the kingdom of God is active wherever someone is surrendering to the lordship of King Jesus. And the church is hopefully doing that, and hopefully part of that, the kingdom. But so are you, and so wherever you are, when you're surrendering to the lordship of Christ, there the kingdom of God is active and moving. And so what I want to talk uh, about is how we view our lives, and how when you view your life as an assignment and a calling, your whole walk is changed to be an act of service to the one who called you. And so we're going to talk about assignment and calling and walking. And we're going to see that, yes, you can serve God wherever you are, no matter who you are. So I want to look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17 to 24, where I believe Paul actually talks about this and helps us understand this point. And so I'm going to read it and we're going to work through it together. Um, But before I do... The passage is kind of laid out like a club sandwich. You know how a club sandwich has some bread and then some filling and then more bread and then filling and then bread again? That's kind of what Paul is doing with this passage. Um, He's he's using this phrase, a variation of the phrase, remain as you're called, um, three times. And then in between is some filling that I think can get a little confusing. So he says, live as you're called. uh, And then he talks about circumcision. And then he says, live as you're called. And then he talks about slavery. And then he says, live as you're called. And that those fillings are examples used to illustrate his point, but I think they can get a little confusing, and so I don't want us to miss the sandwich for the, the details in there. So I'm going to explain some of those examples a little bit, but let's not miss Paul's main point. 
So let's, let's read it. It says this. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if he can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers and sisters, in whatever condition each was called, there let them remain with God. All right, so first, assignment. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned him. Paul is writing this letter to a church that's full of people of all sorts of different socioeconomic backgrounds, some rich, some poor, some slaves, some masters, some free, some men, some women, um, all, all sorts of different people, and they're all just trying to do life. And they've all come into this new relationship with Jesus, and it's been life-changing, and all of them, I think, have a question, and I think we have it too. How does my relationship with Jesus like, affect all of these things in my life, like all these different categories I'm a part of, and all of these seemingly arbitrary things about my life that I couldn't control? And, and is it all meaningless? You know, how does Jesus actually interact with those things? And there's a, a German word um, by a, a, an existentialist philosopher that he once coined, and, and the word in English is thrownness. And it doesn't really roll off the tongue, but thrownness, like to throw something. And it means, uh, it talks about the seemingly arbitrary nature in which we're just thrown into this life. I mean, think about it. None of us were in, involved in the decision to be born. You know, we were just born and we had no say over the matter. We couldn't decide if we wanted to be born here or there or, or this gender or this race or in this family or in this socioeconomic class. We couldn't decide any of that. We were just kind of born. And some people in this congregation in Corinth, uh, the same was true of them. Some were just born into slavery. Some were born into a Jewish home. Some were born into a Greek home. Some were rich. Some were poor, etc. And that thought made life I think seems so arbitrary to them as to almost be meaningless. And I think I've felt that too. I remember, especially as a teen, really struggling through that. I mean, we're floating on a ball called Earth in the middle of the universe, in the middle of nowhere, hurling through space, going nowhere, and then we're thrown onto this ball for a short amount of time and just as quickly thrown off of the ball. And, you know, it's, I think, in the middle of that context, doing the daily grind of life uh, can feel really accidental and meaningless and even suffocating. And maybe you don't think in those grand terms, but you might sometimes feel this, the sense of seemingly undesired and uncontrolled aspects of your life. And when we start to feel that in whatever and whoever we are, maybe a job that seems meaningless or unfulfilling, or you know, maybe we don't have tons of money and that's frustrating, uh, there's a little lie that tends to sneak in and tempt us. Maybe life would be more meaningful over there. You know, we think the antidote to our sense of thrownness is to change our circumstance in order to have more meaning and maybe even be closer to God and maybe to serve him better. But Paul offers a totally different answer. He says that the Lord has assigned you. So it's not arbitrary, it's assigned. And just as Rod was talking about how God has 
shaped the church to have different members with different giftings and different, like they're different, it's like a body and they're different parts. So one person is a hand and one person is a foot and the foot shouldn't say to the hand, hey, I want to be a hand because then the whole body would be a hand and how would it get to where it's supposed to go? How would it do what it's supposed to if everyone is a hand or everyone is a foot or everyone is an eye? So it's a funny image, but God, I think, is also saying through Paul that he expands the idea to also be um, God has placed you in life outside the church in a position that is meaningful and not arbitrary. He's put you somewhere for a reason. So the things in your life that are arbitrary and even annoying, maybe like a dead-end job or your social status or your role at home or the place you live, it's all by design. The one who is Lord, commander, and king of all creation, he sees the big picture and he knows where to place you in order to achieve his purposes in your life and in the world so that your exact life the fact that you were born in this era, in this region, to this family, it's all exactly on purpose. And I kind of picture, you know, an army general who's making a strategic plan and there's, there's a war and, and he's trying to think, okay, how do we win? And okay, we need a, a battalion over here and we need some, some people set up over here in this little spot and we need a flank here and we need, you know, uh, okay, you're really good at snipering, so you should go right here. And, and he's, he's strategically setting this up in a way so that the war can be won. And then he says, okay, soldiers, now, now go. And the only problem with these soldiers, with us, is that we have little minds of our own, and we can't see the big picture. And so this soldier might say, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to be here. And, and the commander says, no, 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 but you have to, trust me. Like, I, I've thought a lot about this. You're there. And he says, no, no, I want to be over here. And he's like, no, you can't be there. I have someone else there, and, and you don't have the right gifting to be there, and trust me. And, and we just say, but, but, but no, I don't, I don't want to be. And so <laughs> that's what the Corinthians were feeling as well. And not just them, but I think Paul saw this attitude everywhere, and I think it's pervasive in the human heart, and that's why he says, this is my rule in all the churches. Everyone struggles with this. They're all struggling to see their lives as an assignment. They were tempted to believe that the lie that their lives were meaning weren't as meaningful as they could be, that other people's lives were better and more blessed by God, and if only they could just change their circumstances, then, then, they could really serve God and be close to him. And Paul is urging them to view their life as an assignment by the Lord because God has a strategic plan in calling them to live it out. But they're distracted from their placement and ineffective because they're wasting all their time worrying about changing their status not about how to actually live in that assignment well. So we can be assigned to a certain life, but miss our sense of calling. And I remember struggling with this a lot back when I used to do stonemasonry for about 10 years. And you know, it's, it's interesting, this idea of assignment, because it's not as if we have no say in the matter often, and often we have the ability to choose things. And so... Um, I had autonomy and I, I decided to get married and start a family and I loved it and that meant having a job. And I went into manual labor because hey, it was kind of easy to get into and I actually somewhat enjoyed working with my hands. But you know how things go. Uh, it becomes harder and harder to change jobs. And it's not like I was enslaved to it or didn't choose it, but eventually you have mouths to feed and it would be somewhat reckless to just quit. And so there, there can be a sense of stuckness, you know? And I had also become a Christian a few years earlier, and I wondered, how is me putting rocks on a wall meaningful to God? Like, how? Shouldn't I be doing something more impactful for Christ? How is God in this? And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that. I did feel a call to go into full-time ministry instead, but 
I didn't want to go into it for the wrong reasons. And so through many years and many conversations and many books, I came to see that, yes, even though it was hard and not ultimately what I wanted to do, God was with me in my job, using me exactly where I was, and wanted me there for so many reasons, to be a witness to my non-Christian coworkers, of course, but also to cultivate my character and to add beauty and design to this world and to bring honest and hard work into the world and to provide for my family and ultimately to surrender to his lordship and be a servant in the trades and to be a living picture of the redemption of Jesus in that environment. And I was tempted for sure, but trusting I was actually assigned and called was so freeing and illuminating that it gave me so much more joy than just pining after wanting to to do something else, you know, Or, or pining after being in ministry. It also helped me know that being in ministry wouldn't actually make me any closer to God or more able to serve him. So God has strategically assigned you to be exactly where you are through the working of his own will and your decisions uh, into an assignment to make the most of that assignment. He's called you there. And I love the idea of calling. A a variation of the word calling uh, is used about nine times in this passage. And so I think Paul wants us to pay attention to that word. It's the Greek word kaleo, which is where the leadership program kaleo through Camp Kwanos actually gets its name. Um, This word kaleo means to call or to summon or to invite. And if you watch the promo video for kaleo, you can actually see it's inspiring. These younger people feel called to Jesus, and then they feel called to an adventure, and in that journey, they grow deeper in their calling to follow Jesus. And that's how I think God works in all of our lives. God is calling us first and foremost to himself, and then he calls us to trust him and follow him, And then he calls us to live up to that calling. So there's like a personal call to follow Jesus. There's a particular call to do a certain thing or to be somewhere. And then there's the moral call, which is to obey God in whatever that is. And all of them are a call to responsibility and and to adventure, though. And we can't have the Wii logo in this sermon series without actually talking about some Wii video games. You know, I loved the two main Zelda games for Wii, Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess, and I have fond memories of playing those with my brother as a kid. And now, if you're familiar with Zelda at all, it's all about a hero who awakens in every generation. The same hero, Link, but at different times in different contexts. You know, the specific stories are always slightly different with their own fun nuances, but the main narrative is usually the same. A young boy, Link, mysteriously called to adventure, to rescue Princess Zelda, and to save the world from the evil forces of Ganondorf. He's called to adventure. He's called to be brave and to show character in order to defeat evil and restore the world to its former beauty and goodness. And maybe it sounds too grandiose, but God has a call on your life that is also an ancient call to all of his creatures. And it looks specific in your specific context to you. He wants you to vanquish evil and bring about his beauty and goodness in the world in your own specific way. So we're all called to that journey. It just looks different for each of us. And so these Corinthians, they were living their lives and were suddenly called, invited to know Jesus and to answer his call. But then they started to feel like, no, 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 no. I I can't know Jesus and serve him well if I'm a slave. I need to be free. I need to be whatever. I need to be circumcised. I need to be uncircumcised. And Paul says, no, 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 no. God God called you first to himself to be in relationship with him, 
And with that comes another call, an invitation to see your assignment as a calling, meaning that in that assignment they could actually live fully for God with completely meaningful lives. And so let's just look briefly at these two examples, circumcision and slavery. First, circumcision. Paul says, was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Now, it's a little awkward, so I won't spend much time here, but in the Greco-Roman world back then, public nudity was more commonplace, and often there were bathhouses that people would gather in to conduct business, kind of like a locker room at a pool, and it was quite obvious uh, who did and didn't have this procedure done. Now, many Jews had no control over this. They were just born, and then on the eighth day, they were circumcised. And, but in that culture, the Greco-Roman culture, it was sometimes actually looked down upon and even, like, abhorred. It was, they didn't like that. And these people would sometimes, if they had this procedure done, be excluded from business and shunned. And so there was a, re- a temptation to reverse this procedure to fit in more. And it was actually surgically done in the ancient world. And on the flip side of that, you have Gentiles trying to gather with Jews who would exclude them for not being circumcised and even say that they're breaking God's law so they'd be tempted to be circumcised. And what Paul is saying here is staggering. And I think in the Greek it's actually more emphatic. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. Only keeping the commands of God. Now this would have been jaw-dropping to the Jews. Only keeping the commands of God, only keeping the commands of God, getting circumcised is a command of God. It makes no sense what you're saying, Paul. It'd be as, as confusing as if Paul said, it doesn't matter if you do what is right, what matters is doing what's right. That makes no sense. And yet, I think it makes complete sense. Let me explain. Where you are right now in your post, in your assignment, you will most likely have a multitude of voices around you. Some that if you follow, you know you'll be violating your conscience and disobeying God, but it might get you ahead in this world. If one group is saying one thing is right and another is saying the exact opposite of right is right, don't worry about doing what is right in their eyes. Worry about doing what is right in God's eyes. Follow him. So this is incredible. He's saying, don't worry about it because it doesn't change whether or not you can follow Jesus. He isn't calling you to either of those He's calling out to you in that deep inner voice, in that quiet whisper of the Spirit. Hey, don't spend your time trying to please one group or another. Don't spend your time trying to decide which group is closer to God. Just follow Jesus' command to love God and love people. And you can do that no matter what. If people mock you for shallow reasons, or if they exclude you, or if they welcome and praise you, don't focus on changing your external self. Focus on changing your internal self. Focus on obedience to Jesus. That's what he's calling them to, and that's what he's calling you to. In your life, posting, he's calling out to you to follow in his ways, and in that, make the most of your life. Okay, and a bit about slavery, too. This one's tricky, so just a few quick things. One, Paul doesn't endorse slavery. He wants people to be free. Two, Scripture doesn't endorse slavery. From the very beginning, God created man and woman uh, in the Imago Dei, in his image, and it's a violation of that image to think that people can be our property to be bought and sold. Um, so it goes against the narrative of Scripture. Three, slavery in the Greco-Roman world was an evil institution, but it was more complex than the slavery that comes to mind when we think of the history of North America 
and even other countries to this day. You know, among scholars, there doesn't seem to be exact consensus when looking back in history. Some tend to think that slavery back then was more just a benign form of mass employment um, under, for, for the underclasses, and other scholars would say, you know, it was awful and horrible, and you lost your dignity, and you lost all of your rights, and you were treated with violence. It's probably both of those and somewhere in the middle, and it's hard to say either way, but either way, slavery back then was also evil and wrong. And four, many have argued that while Christians didn't immediately try to overthrow the institution of slavery, the principles of Christianity over time were fundamental to eroding slavery. With Christians like William Wilberforce, who abolished the slave trade, I even heard of a recent study where someone showed that translating Bibles into the native languages of different um, countries and different people groups is actually fundamental to those countries uh, eventually giving slavery up because of the principles found in Scripture like Imago Dei. And so number five, Paul's primary concern wasn't eradicating the institution of slavery. Rather, one commentator put it like this. His immediate pastoral concern is to set his readers free for wholehearted service of God, wherever they find themselves located at the present time. So again, what Paul is saying, it's absolutely staggering. If you want to wait until the institution of slavery is completely eradicated before slaves can serve God, then you have to wait about 1,800 years. Um, But he's not saying that. Instead, he says this. Were you a bondservant, another way of saying slave, when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a free man in the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So again, the Greek is pretty blunt. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't care. Seriously, Paul? I'm a slave and you're telling me not to care about that? And it's like he's saying... Yep, you're a slave, minor detail. Minor detail, but if I were free, think of how much better my life would be and how much more I could serve the Lord. You know, I could go sailing around the world like you, Paul. I could go and preach the gospel and tell everyone about Jesus. Yeah, but you're not free. And where you are, you can serve God exactly as much and have the exact same gospel impact in the kingdom as I'm having. Because remember, the kingdom of God is wherever anyone is surrendering to the lordship of Christ. And you can do that as a free person or a slave. So in your relationship with Jesus, in your ability to serve him and have purpose and meaning in this world, your external status literally means nothing. So don't worry about it. Why worry? It means nothing. Don't care about it. Your circumstances don't define your position in Christ. It's untouchable. View your life through kingdom eyes. You aren't stuck. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. You've been freed from all the truly enslaving things like sin and death. True freedom is to live as though your circumstances and position don't dictate your value or effectiveness in the kingdom. Wherever you are, there you can live for God. Now I should say, (coughs) excuse me, Paul does give two really good outs. He says, if you can gain your freedom, go for it. He's not saying resign to being a slave even if someone is offering you your freedom and, or you could maybe save up to get out of it. He's saying make wise decisions in what you have control over. And he also says if you're free right now and you're not a slave, don't sell yourself into slavery. Make wise decisions in what you have control over. 
And maybe that means you. You feel called to something else than you're in right now. That's great. That's fine. You know, our Western culture, as opposed to theirs, really does offer us a lot more upward mobility and autonomy and choice. And that's a privilege. And we shouldn't take that for granted. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's the question. And there's usually a, quite a range of choice, and God does call us throughout our lives to different things, and we, we should be listening to that. So this isn't saying stay with something you hate if you don't have to. You know, I think of our grads who are, who are graduating and, and the almost unlimited potential of these teenagers starting new lives. And Nate Locke, uh, in, in our church here, he gave a great valedictorian speech too, and in it he said, you're unique, just like everyone else. <laughs> So go and make a difference in the world in your own special way. And so you can pursue what you're passionate about. Go for it. If you can find a new job, go for it. Be wise. Save up. Take classes for a while. Train for something else. Find a new boss. Be wise in what you can control and listen to God's leading. But Paul is talking to you in the meantime. While you are where you are. If you are stuck. Don't waste your life fantasizing about the next phase, the next opportunity, the next job, the next house, the next whatever. Live as if right here, right now, God is calling you to follow him. That mindset, that reality will fend off the temptations towards meaninglessness, towards coveting, and towards resignation. And I want to talk a little bit about resignation. You know, we've seen how God has assigned you, how he's called you, and now how that affects your walk. And that, that first line could be translated to each as God apportions, each as God calls, thus walk. So walk in your calling. And in another letter uh, in Ephesians, Paul says something really similar. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, interesting that he was actually at this point stuck in prison and was still talking like this, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now I can't imagine being in prison or being a slave but I would assume that there are times where you would just want to resign yourself to your fate. I'm stuck here. You know, whatever I do doesn't change that. Nothing I really do matters or is making a difference. But if, if you know you're called, then Paul says, no, be the absolute best prisoner you can be. Be the best slave you can be. You may see it as a hindrance, a weight, a suffocating trap, but God sees it as an opportunity, as purpose, and as service. We might be tempted to occupy our position, but waste it miss it, and not see how important it actually is. And I want to talk to dads for a minute since it is Father's Day today. You know, being a dad is a hard job. And dads, I think we can sometimes forget just how important the assignment of fatherhood is. We can occupy that position, but not walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And if you're anything like me, you feel that. You know that deep down. And so fathers, don't coast. Don't resign. Don't waste your amazing privilege being a dad daydreaming about something else or that the grass might be greener on the other side. Fathers are so important, it's almost impossible to overestimate. The world needs fathers that are engaged, that are loving, that are raising sons and daughters in Christ, that are intentional and fully present, not obsessed with work, not bailing on their wives, not resigning, not checking out mentally. Your role matters. Maybe some days it feels like slavery. Don't let it concern you. Dads, you're on assignment. God is calling you in that assignment to walk before him. So walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Your kids need you, the church needs you, and your world needs you. 
And the same goes for all of us. Whatever our family status or socioeconomic status, sons, daughters, moms, stay-at-home moms, those in school, those working a trade, working a career in the medical field, those who are retired or in assisted living, those in ministry, those of us who are rich, those of us who are broke, wherever you find yourself, everything you do in the kingdom of God matters. Everything you do has an internal, an eternal impact. This is the moral call of God on your life. In your role, wherever you are, keep the commands of God. So if you're putting stones on a wall, do it with all your might. Do it with integrity and honesty and joy. If you work with a team, be a team player. Be helpful, easy to work with, quick to forgive. If you have employees, don't be harsh. Be kind, communicate well, listen, lead with love. If you're doing laundry and house chores literally all day, every day, do it as an act of service to Jesus, mindful of your children, with an upright heart and with integrity, the absolute best you can. If you've got little kids screaming at you all day, you're called to that. Be patient, be tender, serve those kids in the name of Jesus and nourish them with affection. If you're studying, working towards a degree, do it without cheating, do it with humility, do it in order to contribute to something positive to the world. Use your knowledge to love people. If you're married, and actually the whole context of this surrounding passage is about marriage. If you're married, don't think the grass is greener somewhere else or with someone else. Or that you could serve God better if you didn't have that spouse or if you were single. Don't change your status. If you're single, don't think you could serve God better with someone. If you're walking the halls of an old folks home, serve the Lord. Love the people around you. Show kindness and grace. Be salt and light there. If you're a child, don't say you can't wait to grow up. Serve God as a kid on the playground, at school, with your siblings. If you're trying to get into the housing market and you feel trapped like you can't get in, be content. Live as you're called. Make the most of where you are. Trust that God can use you, that you can serve God even if you can't move. What I'm trying to say is that everyone, everyone here, everyone in the church, even if I didn't name your exact scenario, can serve God exactly where you are. As one commentator said, Bloom where you are planted. Don't worry about trying to become something you're not. You don't know the impact you're having. I I sometimes think God conceals our effectiveness from us so that we actually walk by faith. But there are people around you, and, and, and to them, the sight of someone walking in light among darkness, like a fresh rose among thorns, with joy among people complaining, with purity among filth, with stewardship and honesty among lying and laziness, with kindness in a harsh environment, just might have an effect on the people around you. You know, I think of Vicky, who I had the privilege of baptizing last week. The simple kindness and listening ear of of her boss had a transformative impact on her life. You never know who's watching, who's observing, who's absorbing, whether it's your little ones or a stranger, a coworker, a friend, a boss, or a neighbor, So live worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And I think here's an encouraging thought to end on. So brothers and sisters, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. With God. Maybe you do know that you're assigned and and you do feel that sense of calling and you sometimes miss it. You do take it for granted. You fall short of that calling and everything that I just said makes you feel just guilty and like a big heavy weight has been put on you. But know this, God hasn't abandoned you. God is with you. God is with them right there in their slavery and God is with you. If you haven't lived up to your calling, 
The God of the calling never finishes inviting you. He calls you still. Follow me. Try again. Get up. Take another step. I'm with you on this walk. I have a purpose for you. I will use your life for good if you serve me. And so how, how to wrap this all up? Well, I think if we view our lives as arbitrary, then we miss the significance of where we are and we end up just trying to change our status to find meaning in the wrong places. We waste away our lives coveting other people's lives and chasing wind. And we ultimately live self-serving lives. But when you view your life as an assignment and a calling, your whole walk has changed to be an act of service to the one who called you. So assignment, calling, walk. And our theme is we serve, and I wanted to show the flip side of the coin of serving in the church. And you know, sometimes I think the church can get it wrong. You know, they say, we can say, serve, serve, serve here, serve here, serve here, serve here. And we miss out on the absolute significance of everyone's life 99% of the other time. In their jobs, in their play, their families, hobbies, passions, goals, the mundane and the ordinary. So the church is a place where we do serve together, but it's also a place that we gather so that we can be encouraged, refilled, rejuvenated, recentered and recharged so that we can go back out into our places of service ready to live out the calling ready to do the lord's will and keep his commands and so we gather in order that we may go and have an impact as we serve out there so i want to leave us with some discussion questions number one how does god help us view our lives as on purpose and not arbitrary and meaningless two What does it mean to sense God's calling? What has that looked like in your life? And three, how does following Jesus affect how you do your day-to-day life? Thanks so much for listening, and hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship sermon podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day, and God bless.